This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Dennis Cox is here. What are you doing over there? I don't know. You were here. I was. I was like, sitting for, where you For two are. days. Yeah. Why did you look better here than I do? I'm younger <laughs> and better looking. Well, you asked. <laughs> oh, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for keeping this chair warm. No, Although my it, pleasure is mine. Chair was, was, uh, was, well, there's a show on before us, so. The show yeah. was the the chair was still warm, uh, but cool. I'm glad. Do you have a good time? Did did you enjoy it? Oh, it was a blast. So yeah, uh, Lewis and I had Lewis and I had a lot of fun. Lewis Fernandez. Yes. All right. Very nice. Uh, well, maybe we'll bar- borrow him uh, for uh, for chunks of the show. We we'll do that. Go for it. So we got a lot to do. We got a, there is a ton of stuff to get to today, uh, but real quick. 14-year-old, uh, you know, eighth-grade boys and girls, by the way, but I was only responsible for two other uh, eighth-grade boys at our field trip voyage to Washington, D.C. We saw museums. We saw monuments, uh, memorials, all of that. We, uh, we, we were on a bus that we weren't allowed down some streets. We drove in circles, but we survived three days in Washington, D.C. So um, that's all I have to report. Uh, Nobody got hurt. We ate terrible food court food for three days. (laughs) And there you go. Hey, it's Adam Golden. I'm in studio with my friend, Coach Pete DeRuder with the Capital Financial Advisory Group. Is it ever too soon to seek out you and your expertise? Really, there's no too soon. It's time to get serious. So if you're 50 or over, we call it the financial red zone. And that's when really it's time for you to take control of your money and and make sure you have a firm on your side that's a fiduciary planning firm, which means they take your side at all times. Now, we'll do this for the next 10 of you who call. This is a $1,000 value, but I'm going to waive my planning fee to make sure you get your total retirement plan and you get on the right path for retirement. Call 888-843-0013-888-843-0013 or text ADAM to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. All right, Dennis. I do not care what you say or anybody else says or what you can show me. Oh. I don't care. Okay. Nobody picked all four teams in the final four. Mm -mm. Don't care. What data you try to produce, nobody had UConn, San Diego State, FAU, and Miami in the Final Four. Nobody. Seth Greenberg of ESPN on this particular band of schools. It's five for one year. I don't think it's going to be something that will happen each and every year. I mean, think about last year we had Duke, North Carolina, Villanova, and Kansas. We had the bluest of bloods. Now, we have one blue blood left in this tournament. And that's UConn, four national championships since 1999. They are a blue blood. Here's the interesting thing, Greeny. There are no McDonald's All-Americans. I'll give you another interesting thing. There are zero true freshmen. We spend all our time talking about the freshmen. It's the one and done. And you know what? This Final Four is about teams. It's about transfer portal, filling roster spots, and developing teams. So, look, it's unique. I think for one year, you'll see the blue bloods back. But Connecticut's a blue blood. Let's not fool ourselves. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's been they have been among the best performing schools in college basketball now for a quarter of a century. So, yes, they are a blue blood. No question about that. Um, just back to my initial thought. I wonder how many people even had three teams in the Final Four. Oh, none. Stop if, fooling yourselves. If, if you told me you had three teams in the Final Four, I'm going to want to see it notarized. Yeah. Show me a notarized copy of your bracket with a date, and then I might believe you. But I am reserving the right to say, nah, I don't think so. So it brings this conversation up. Does this mean that the ACC was better than we thought? Or not than we thought, than they thought. Meaning the tastemakers. Meaning the metrics. Meaning every college basketball reporter that told us how trash the league was this year. And the answer is yes and no. I mean, I'm going to be as honest as I possibly can all the time. There's no question this was not a great year for ACC basketball. Just like last year was not a great year for ACC basketball. It wasn't a terrible year for ACC basketball, but the ACC is always going to be judged by the standard it set. You're always judged by who you are. So when the ACC is not great was not the best conference or one of the top two or even three conferences we didn't we don't know what to do with our hands we just we just don't we don't know how to react to it and what Jim Beheim had to say last year about well you prove that in March eh, yes and no I mean yes and no for instance do I think the big 12 which was we were told, the greatest conference we have ever seen known to mankind this year. Do I think that they were completely overrated because they got no teams in the Final Four? It's hard to make the Final Four. It's hard. They had two teams in the Elite Eight. By the way, that was one of my wagers that I won. Under 11.5 total wins for the Big 12. We did that and we did under 7.5 wins for the Big 10. Huh. Michigan State, when they lost in the Sweet 16, came in at 6. I don't know what the Big 12 came in. I think it was nine. Still, that was plenty under. So, does that mean that the Big 12 was bad? Nah. No. But, maybe it wasn't quite what it was cracked up to be. And this is where we get to when we let the metrics, just the data, drive us. And we can go to any sport. Can I borrow hockey, the sport of hockey for a second, Dennis? Yes, you may. I have been told for years how great the Carolina Hurricanes have been because possession metrics, grade A chance, all of that. Give me the McCorsey ratings. Yeah. I, for years, they have been, well, what, when is it going to happen? Well, it, it's going to happen when the players get better. That's when it's going to happen. Right, And once Carolina started improving their talent, then we start to see what they do in the regular season. Playoffs are a different animal. The playoffs are a little bit more random, right? Comes down to just a couple of things, really, in the playoffs that Carolina hasn't been as good at 
power play, goaltending, things like that. Um, we'll see what happens this year. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But in basketball, all of these metrics have been telling us how bad the ACC is. So what that did, because, and I've been on this for more than a month, the reason why the ACC's power rating looks bad is because there are five historically bad teams in this league. Not that these schools haven't been, you know, bad before. Louisville has not been this bad, right? But you've the power ratings for five of the ACC schools essentially spent the entire year like at 180th or worse in the bottom half of the entire sport. My gosh, in most years, even when it wasn't vintage ACC, in most years, there'd be one team outside the top 100. Everybody else, even the bad teams, the teams that didn't make the tournament, would be in the 60 to 100 range. Not this year. Not this year. We couldn't find. you. There were zero opportunities, except in the case of, like, one, maybe, for a home court quad one win. You couldn't win. A, if you were playing at home, it was not a quad one game. Why? Because you had to be playing somebody in the top 30. The ACC, I think, at the end of the regular season, had one team in the top 30. They might have had two. But that's it. It's hard to, in the Big 12, every game, it seemed, was a quad one game. Well, look at how they did against quad one. Yeah, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. We've been saying this all year. Do I think, did I ever think at any point this year that Miami wasn't a top 25 team? Hell no. It was clear if you watch them play, that is a good team. A really good team. I'm not surprised they're in the Final Four. It's the one team I picked. We can't talk about the others, Dennis. No. We can't talk about the others. The others didn't make it out of the first weekend. Kansas didn't make it out of the first weekend. Arizona didn't make it out of the first day. Duke didn't make it out of the first weekend. Miami's in the Final Four. But I'm just going to talk. I had my, I nailed Miami. You did. So, all of these things, all of these discussions are, you have to take everything into account. Context is needed. The Big 12 was the greatest conference we've ever seen. They had seven teams in the field. Two in the Elite Eight did not advance. Big 10, the greatest conference in the history of mankind ever in any sport. They had eight teams invited. One team made the second week. (laughs) That's it. That's it. Michigan State was done playing before the weekend. Mm -hmm. The SEC got eight teams into the field. None played this weekend. The ACC, seventh best conference, worse than the Mountain West. Mm. And that was used against the ACC by such illuminaries as Joe Lenardi. And even the people who should know better nationally used it against the ACC. Well, Ken Palm says the Mountain West is better. No, the numbers that Ken Palm uses... If you asked Ken Pomeroy, do you think the Mountain West is better than the ACC? He would have probably said, look, the numbers are skewed because of the teams at the bottom. Mm -hmm. But the answer is, of course not. Of course it isn't. By the way, San Diego State plays in the Mountain West. Good for them. 
good for them getting to the Final Four. Isaiah Wong, ACC Player of the Year, plays at Miami, thinks there's a reason why Miami might still be playing. I'll just say I'll thank the ACC for preparing us for these types of games. Just um, coming in, every game we played in the ACC, it's always a close game. It's always a shot to win. And I feel like coming into March, we, we've been in those types of situation, And we we um, played good, and we, we, we wasn't um, afraid or scared in any situation. And we, we just stuck together and played together throughout the throughout the game. And I'll just say thank you, appreciate for the ACC for the competition. Yeah, we're going to talk to Joe Zagaki, the voice of the Miami Hurricanes, in just a little bit. Uh, Isaiah Wong was just a really good player again this weekend. He didn't, he wasn't the star, he wasn't the highlight of either game, but he was a really good player all weekend long. Let me get a couple of other quick things in before we bring in Joe Zagaki uh, in in just a couple of minutes. Caitlin Clark for Iowa is a freak show. Have you seen any of the women's basketball tournament, Dennis? Can't say I have. All right. If you have an opportunity, pull up the highlight package of Caitlin Clark yesterday. Full disclosure, I didn't watch the game either. Hurricanes hockey, right? But I have seen Caitlin Clark play, and I said this before the tournament started. She is box office. If you have an opportunity to watch Caitlin Clark play, do it. You will see something that you that will blow your mind. She is essential. I mean, she's Steph Curry. If you find Steph Curry fun, I think you'll appreciate Caitlin Clark. She is a amazing shooter. No conscience at all. She will shoot from anywhere. She's a great passer. She had 41 points and a triple double as Iowa beat Louisville. Last night to get to the final four. She is amazing. Eight of 14 from three. Dude, and she takes no normal threes. None. They're all like 30 footers. She is insanity. Absolute insanity. All right, so if you have a chance to watch the women's final four this weekend, do it. By the way, the uh, the get-in price on the secondary market for the women's final four is like 60% more expensive than the men's get-in price. The get-in price for men, they're playing in a dome, obviously a lot more tickets, so that number's going to be skewed. But the fact that the women's get-in price is 200 bucks, yeah, that says something. She, again, she's complete box office. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, a couple of football notes, and uh, then I have, I have like three other things here. Uh, Lamar Jackson has requested a trade, apparently. Huh. So he says that the Ravens don't want to meet his value, Mm -hmm. his asking price. They don't respect or recognize his value. And again, I'll be very consistent on this. They do. They just don't want to guarantee the money. That they... 
They're more than happy to give him a $250 million contract as long as not all $250 million are guaranteed. It's just that simple. I I wish it was being portrayed this way because that is the only issue. That's it. They, They do not want to guarantee the money. Will somebody else? Maybe, but I doubt it. Uh, Aaron Rodgers still hasn't been traded. The Jets and the Packers can't come to grips on the value for the trade, so nothing is going to happen until they get to that point. I've seen mock trade scenarios. Sure. I'm like, oh, that's where we are now? Yeah. That mean look, look. Mock trade compensation. I've seen a lot of different things. Yeah. Is he worth a first-round pick? I don't know. If I'm the Jets, I ain't giving up what I don't have to give up. Mm-hmm. We we already know that Aaron Rodgers wants to be a Jet, sort of. Uh, I I mean, I don't know how many other options he's he's got among teams that can actually win. So Aaron Rodgers wants to be a Jet. The Jets want Aaron Rodgers. All we got to do is figure out a trade with the Green Bay Packers, of course. Maybe that should have been done first. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Um, so we'll we'll uh, we'll keep tabs on that. Hurricanes had a three-point weekend, and I think it gives us something to think about. Carolina was not the better team in either game. They were really not even close to being as good as Toronto on Saturday. Won the game. Thank thanks, you, Kochekov. Thanks, thanks to Pyotr Kochekov, no question about that. And they weren't the better team yesterday against the Boston Bruins, but they were great in the third period. Mm-hmm. And could have easily won the game in regulation. Freddie Anderson made a bunch of absolutely dynamite saves. Mm -hmm. And he also allowed three soft goals. Yeah. So, in my math, and this is what goalies will say, you're only as good as the goals you allow. You can't allow, really, any of those goals. You can get away with one of them. You can't get away with all three. Like, I know it's going to sound weird because he made so many great saves. uh, And in retrospect, the way he played in the third period helped Carolina get a point because he made dynamite saves. (sighs) They won't go anywhere with Anderson in goal. And that's my opinion. They They will not advance in the playoffs. They can get out of round one if they win the division with Freddie but they ain't beating the Rangers or the Devils in round two. Not just not going to happen. The other teams are either too good offensively or have better goaltending, and I don't think Carolina will overcome that. So I think they need Kachetkov to go deep in the playoffs, but they need the Saturday night version of Pyotr Kachetkov. And one one quick thing before we uh, get back to talking about basketball. Uh, and this is sad news. Uh, but at the same time, we're going to take an optimistic view of it. Eric Montross, legend of North Carolina, part of the Tar Heel Sports Network for years, uh, was diagnosed with cancer. They're being very private about it. Uh, and we are going to talk to the folks at UNC at the better back part of this hour. I have, I have met a lot of people in my travels covering ACC basketball. I have never met anybody remotely as nice as Eric Montross. As nice, as kind, as generous with his time a person as I have ever met. And I could not wish anybody more 
positive thoughts than I wish for Eric Montross. Uh, but we'll talk to uh, the University of North Carolina about that in about 25 minutes. So I want to meet the person who's got all four of these teams in the Final Four. I have no idea if Joe Zagaki, the voice of the Miami Hurricanes, for the last, I guess, 18 years you've been the voice. You've been broadcasting Hurricane Sports for longer than that. Called five national championships in football, two College World Series national championships, and you have a chance to call a baseball, or rather a basketball world championship. But here's my question, Joe. If I had told you in 2004, when you guys entered the ACC, that you would get to a Final Four in men's basketball before you would get to one in football, would you have said, I was crazy? Uh, yeah, I would have said you're <laughs> out of your mind. I would have said you're completely out of your mind. But here we are uh, going to the Final Four before before football is made to the to the playoff. And, you know, Miami has made it to the uh, ACC championship game and the semifinals and all that in, in basketball. And, uh, they got a thriving basketball program, so uh, yeah, I would say I, I would have said you're out of your mind. I don't think anybody <laughs> ever really saw that coming. Can we just call the U a basketball school now and be done with it? The women have a chance to get to a Final Four too. Yeah, they got they uh, they got to the Elite Eight and got beat by LSU. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, they gave it a great run. I've been asleep. They gave, yeah, <laughs> they gave it a great, great, great run. Um, I don't think they're ready to give up on calling Miami a football school because <laughs> they've invested a lot of money, yeah. Adam, into football here, and they expect similar results uh, in the near future. What is the Im- impact of uh, Mr. Ruiz? Well, you know, I find it funny that everybody talks about him, and the bigger impact, to me, to me, the, the story isn't him. Right. If, you're, if we're talking about basketball, the story is Jim Laranega. Yeah. The story is Jim Laranaga and what he's done with this program. And, you know, they were in the Elite Eight a year ago before all the NIL stuff, and he did have them in the Sweet 16. He did win the ACC with a great team before NIL with Shane Larkin and and Reggie Johnson and uh, Duran Scott. And, uh, And I still think that was one of the greatest achievements in Miami history because they won in Greensboro against North Carolina State and North Carolina. So I think the bigger impact is Jim Laranega. What John Ruiz is doing right now isn't any different. I don't know why people can't come to grips with this. It's not any different than what's been going on for how long? Yeah. 20 years, 30 (laughs) years, more, except he's more vocal. And that's the way people are in Miami. In Miami, it's not good enough to have to be rich. You have to tell everybody you're rich. In the case of college athletics, um, I would say old money is quiet money, and that's the way it's been. But certainly, um, it's been going on for a long time. Oh, there's no question. Joe Zagaki is the voice of the Miami Hurricanes. I brought that up really facetiously uh, because I'm, and I'm glad you responded the way you did because we've known about Jim Laranega for a while. We knew about him at George Mason. He learned to coach under Terry Holland and learned to coach, but. You know, he kind of uh, cut his teeth in the big time under Terry Holland. Took George Mason to a miraculous run to a Final Four in which they beat Connecticut in order to get to a Final Four. 
And that will be the obstacle for Miami to get to the national championship game. But I want to drill down a little bit more on Jim Laranega. To me, he's the, the culture that he has created there. Can you explain why with the rosters at Miami, especially turning over as much as they have, how he has been able to be so consistently good? Well, he recruits. Uh, you know, it's funny. He um, he's he's one of these guys that adapts, and so um, at Miami, you're not going to get the same five-star players that Carolina or Duke gets. Right at Miami, he's had tall teams, short teams, fast teams, healthy teams, injured teams. He figures it out with whatever he has and doesn't dwell on what he doesn't have. And then his team culture is one where, and people will ask this because of the NIL, and I think the players look at it and they don't understand it because what he preaches is um, you should be happy for someone else's success. Happy for someone else's success. And that's kind of what he has to see. Uh, Houston was like back to 26, and last night it was Jordan Miller, scored 27. So guys are happy for each other's success. Um, and he's able to um, just create you know, a fun atmosphere for his players. They are always relaxed. When they play Houston the other night, they play with a great joy and uh, smile on their faces. Houston game, they're supposed to be intimidating force, right? Where uh, just uh, uh, they were unhappy. And so it's just created a great environment here. Uh, people want to play for him. Uh, you can't really buy education you get from him on off floor. And I would also say that if he was at another program with a blue blood program, he'd probably have national championships. Uh, the the <laughs> ACC could so. certainly use it, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. There's no question the ACC could use Miami to be uh, Miami in football. I don't have enough time to go on that one right now. (laughs) Hey, Joe, have a good time in Houston this week. All right. Thank you very much. All right. uh, uh, We recorded that before before the show. We have to – I'd love to be able to to hear all of that, especially Ken, his brother Ken, who uh, works at NC State. He's a professor at NC State. So uh, Ken Zagaki. Uh, appreciate uh, you you allowing your brother to come on this program. Uh, so shouts to Ken. I chose William Peace University because of the small class sizes. I feel that you get more one-on-one time with teachers. With class sizes like about 16 per teacher, you can really get that one-on-one help a lot of students need. A 12 to 1 student to faculty ratio is just one of the many reasons students choose William Peace University. Extra attention starts day one for career planning with their Career Services Center. Find out all they have to offer at peace.edu.